What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prepigina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, what's up, man? What's up, Prep? Brother, it's been a long time coming, but we're back in YBE Studios. We are back. How's it feel? Feels amazing, man. <laughs> you know what? It was worth it. Like, yeah. I think that maybe even like some time out of the studio, it just makes it feel so fresh. I've done a little bit of work on the studio since you've uh, since the pandemic. Not that you did anything. You didn't create the coronavirus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, dude, we're here. UFC 251 this weekend, tomorrow to be exact. And I am so excited. Yep. Like, I'm trying to think if there's been a card that I've been this excited for. I guess there hasn't been one since the last Jorge fight. And uh, I guess we've come full circle. And he's like the main event of this card, the biggest star on the card. To me, the biggest star in the UFC, Andre. What do you feel? Because, like, it shows in our numbers that Jorge is a bigger draw for us. When Jorge fights, we get more, you know, listens. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. We have cracked over 4,000 downloads. Oh, yes. I am very proud of that accomplishment. Now let's get to five and then so on. Yep. Uh, But Andre, Jorge Masvidal. We've come full circle. He is back. He is fighting this weekend. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel great. I mean, when we're talking about the best, we have to always look at the defining moments in a fighter's career that make them the best. And if Masvidal can pull off a victory over the you know, undisputed welterweight champion in Kamaru Usman, this defines him as not only one of the best fighters in the welterweight division, one of the best fighters ever and in the world today. This guy, not only is he a big draw, but he's got the skills to back it up. And I feel that with the right game plan, he can really pull this off and be, you know, a champion. Like the one that he's always wanted to be. He's been chasing this dream since, you know, the mid-2000s when he first started. He was a street fighter just like Kimbo Slice. And now we're looking at him at the pinnacle of the sport. Making good money. He's got a lot of fans making big moves financially. It doesn't get any better than this. But at the end of the day, this guy's got draw power. And he used it, and he got this fight. Now he's in the position that he's wanted to be in since he knocked out Darren Till. He said it, and now he's here. So I'm here for it. I'm super excited, and it's going to be amazing to see him you know, in that octagon. Yeah, before we get into the card itself, um, this week... You know, UFC has been pumping out content since they landed on Fight Island. Andre, how do you think the UFC has leveraged the idea of a Fight Island? Like, a lot of people were like, they've been there already. It's not really like this tropical paradise. But, you know, the me- the media coverage has been fantastic. What do you think? I mean, is it still cool or is it just like a name that got overblown? I mean, it was... It's not everything it was cracked up, you know, to be, but it's still pretty interesting. Like they're on an island and it's like secluded from everybody and it and it's 
it's added on to the fact that these fighters have been fighting in the apex. No audience. So it's just adding on extra momentum for it to be like, dude, they're fighting on sand. Like, even though they're not, but technically they are. And it, and it's beautiful because you think about it, it was like the ultimate promotion. You know, in this time, they were just like, look, there's no coronavirus over here in this island. It's going to be completely secluded. We've got an island. And, and it, you know, the fans ate it up. There were some people on Twitter who was like, I don't buy this crap. From the beginning, they were like, they're not fighting like in the sand. But it doesn't matter. It's still going to be a big event. And we're talking about one of the biggest cards ever. The only one that I can think that possibly could rival this was 217. And we know how historic that night was. <laughs> I mean, that night was crazy. So let's um, let's just start because, full disclosure, this show is all UFC 251. Like, it deserves to be broken down. Um, I'm going to read the early prelims, and then we'll break down from the top of the prelim card. So uh, starting off the night in the Bantamweight division, Martin Day versus Davey Grant. Then we have in the women's Bantamweight division, Carol Rosa versus Vanessa Mello. In the flyweight division, we have Raulin Paiva versus Zaglas Zugalov. And then headlining the early prelims, Marcin Tiburin versus Maxim Grishin. Moving on to the prelim card on ESPN at 8 p.m., which is, I feel like, the last time they were in Abu Dhabi, it was like a really early card. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what time it is over there for us. Or I don't know if this time is their time or our time. Do you know? Um, I think they said that they were pushing more towards the United States fans. So I think it might be the exact time that they say. Hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. But, yeah, they said that we're going to be seeing the coverage like it was nighttime over here. But for them, they're going to be fighting at, like, 5 or 6 in the morning. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so, starting off the night on ESPN, in the lightweight division, Leonardo Santos versus Ramon Bagatov. And then... In the featherweight division, your favorite fighter, Makwan Americani versus <laughs> Danny Henry. <laughs> oh, man. We have an exciting fight at welterweight. Here we go. Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos versus Muslim Zalikov. The god <laughs> of Wushu. This dude is the real deal man this is gonna be a good fight i think the last time i saw uh zaleski did he get knocked out i believe i don't know if it was a finish but i remember it was a loss then headlining the prelim card former lightweight he- light heavyweight title challenger volkan ozdemir versus jerry prajaka yep which he is the former Ryzen champ. Yep. Right? Was he always a light heavyweight? Uh, no. I think he was in another weight class, but I don't think it was heavyweight. I think he came down at one point. But, you know, needless to say, this guy's big for light heavyweight. He's a big dude. 
So yeah. a lot of fights too. Thirty. So twenty six, three and one. Yeah, I mean Volcan said it best. He said, "Look, he was beating the best in regional promotions and the best in other countries, but we're gonna see just how good he really is when he he's facing literally he's facing." Right now, in my opinion, the gatekeeper of the light heavyweight division. And that's Volcan. Volcan is a monster. So we're going to see how good this dude is. If I'm going to give you my opinion, I really think this kid is going to give him a fight, just like Rockage did. But who knows? Yeah, so then we move on to the main card. Yo, this thing <laughs> is stacked. Andre, women's flyweight division. Amanda Hebas versus Paige Van Zandt. We've been talking about this fight for a really long time. Obviously, it's been prolonged. We've actually been talking about Paige Van Zandt for a really long time because after her last fight, she said her next fight is the last one on her contract and she's going to fight out her contract. Um, smart decision for her as a person, as a fighter... Um, this is a tough test. I like Paige Van Zant in a sense. I, you know, she's she's like the, trying to be like that crossover, like Instagram model fighter. Um, but she, I don't know if she has the skill anymore. I don't know if she can fight at this high level anymore, and still just be like that hot girl on Instagram who fights. Like it's not, it's not. You're gonna be one or the other after this fight. In my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, when you're coming into your last fight on your contract, I don't think it's smart to go against somebody who has one of the most unique skill sets in the flyweight division. Because Hebas is, not only is she strong and very fast, she's a black belt in judo, really, really solid Brazilian jiu-jitsu ground game, and she has a really, really solid striking. There's really not many holes in her game. She pushes a pace that is nearly unrivaled at 115 and 125, other than the likes of, like, Macy Barber or Shevchenko. But other than that, I mean, like, this is... She's going to lose. There's literally no way she can win. Like, Amanda Hibas is really going to be the next... Another women's champion very soon. I feel like after this fight, people are going to realize that she's the real deal and she's going to get the actual... Not 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 to say respect, but she's gonna get the exposure that she needs from beating Paige Van Zandt. So, yeah, I believe my first view of her was against Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, and I felt really bad because I was like, I was rooting heavy for Mackenzie Dern. Like, it it was cool to see that she came back so fast from having a kid, and uh, I kind of wish that like her last fight was the first fight back because she looked so good. In her fight not too long ago. Yeah. But um, Amanda Hibas is a beast. She's 9-1. and one. There's nowhere else to go but up from here. She's mm -hmm. that good. She yeah. is that good. In the women's strawweight division, Andre, something that I know, I know for a fact you're excited for. <sighs> a rematch that I didn't know I needed because I, d I didn't think I wanted it at first. Um. I'll explain why after I say the names of these combatants. Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namayunas. Andre, the first fight, we covered it here. We were so pumped. I, I never forget, like, 
she looked fantastic. She was crushing Jessica Andrade. And Jessica Andrade uh, did a thing, spiked her on her head, knocked her out um, from the slam. And after that, I didn't know if I would ever see Rose Namajunas fight again. Um, after that, I didn't know that I wanted to see her fight again. And then they announced the rematch. And I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And then COVID happened. And, you know, Rose was being pegged as the only fighter that was, like, not wanting to fight during this time. And we're here. She's going to fight Jessica Andrade. And if you watch Embedded, you can tell that her heart is in this and I am uh, ecstatic for her like you have no idea I need Rose in my MMA she's great for the sport her personality her heart just her her whole being like she is what MMA needs she is a perfect face for women's MMA and if she gets this win and she can just keep rolling. Like, I would love. This is like a women's dream fight. Like, her and Zhang Wei Li. Like, I cannot wait till that happens. Because I have a feeling that it will happen. Andre? Yeah. No, you and I, we share the same thoughts and the same sentiment in this situation. And I can tell you, this is the only rematch that matters to me. Like, listen, we have Volkanovski versus Holloway. That's the rematch. People wanted to see it, but guess what? He beat him fair and square. Rose Namajunas took a fight against Andraj, not only in her backyard, but in a very, you know, what could be perceived as a hostile environment. A lot of times when you have Brazilian superstars that go back home to fight against other people, they don't always get received with that much love. And Rose took that on. And and this is coming from a person, like she said, she suffers from anxiety and depression. That could have taken a huge toll on her, you know, leading up into that first fight. But what did she do? She went in there and she smoked Andra. She made her look like she didn't belong there. Way worse than what Joanna did to Jessica Andras. Because let's face it, Joanna was just picking her apart from the outside, but really running away from that power. Rose embraced it. Rose embraced that she was going to get hit hard, and she embraced that Andrade was not going to stop coming, and she had the perfect game plan. And it was just one subtle mistake that she made, and anybody could have made that mistake, you know? Sometimes when you go for that Kimura reversal, it doesn't always work out. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is her coming out party. This is her chance at redemption, and I know that she's not going to let the same thing happen twice. Andrade doesn't have it, not against Rose. None of those girls at 115 have it against Rose, and I can say that with the utmost amount of confidence. If Rose had to fight Joanna for a third time, she'd beat her. To you know, On Saturday, she's most likely going to TKO Andrade, and then when she gets to the title, we're going to see a fight that was not only bigger than um, Wei Li Zhang versus Joanna, but it's going to be better, and it's going to be real fireworks. 
But right now, this is the fight that Rose is, that Rose needs, not only for her confidence, but she needs it for her legacy. You know, everybody loves a good comeback story. And I've been I've been behind Rose since before she was on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, one of her first fights ever in Invicta, she scored a win via flying armbar. Who does that? And mind you, it was her first professional fight, I think. So she's always had the skills. And now we get to see her finally get that chance at redemption and prove to the world that she's the best. So, yeah, I, that's really my main event in all seriousness. Like, I love Masvidal, but this fight means more to me than any other fight on this card. So, yeah. Very exciting fight. If you don't mind, I would love to read this quote. Um, just scrolling down MMA fighting, something that she said during the scrum. Um, I'm going to read it exactly how it's written because I can't paraphrase it. <laughs> Nama, Nama Yunez is much better prepared to be a champion now than she was during her previous, previous reign. It's a lot healthier now, Nama Yunez told MMA Fighting about her relationship to the title during the UFC 251 Virtual Media Day. I feel like when you go to lift weights and you pick up the bar to see how heavy something is, that's kind of how my title reign was. I know how to handle it a lot better now, but you know, I'm also not thinking past this fight. I'm focused on Jessica Andrade. I'm focused on controlling myself. I'm focused on showing up the best version I can possibly be, and that's all there is to do about it. I, I'll never forget like after the first fight when she had the post-fight press conference and she was like, I just didn't want to be there anymore. And it's a shame because she looked so good. And, like, just all her will for that fight just, like, left her instantly. And then that's when she got finished. So I am beyond excited to see this. I think that, like I said, she is what MMA needs. She's not, like, and she's gorgeous, don't get me wrong, but she's not, like, this model type, like, Paige Van Zant that, uh, you know they're in it. she's not in it for the money yeah which i love and also i did root for like she was the one that i wanted to win the ultimate fighter yeah me too <laughs> i thought she was awesome like on the ultimate fighter but uh she took that L to carla esparza and look where they're at now so <laughs> yeah it's crazy <laughs> how that goes too but even with carla like you can look at carla now and her in the projection of her career and not much has changed. She still has the same style. There's really nothing. She throws a little more kicks and that's it. But Rose, through every performance she's had coming up to that loss for the title. Mind you, that was a title shot. So that goes to show you how elite Rose was. But you see the progression over time. Right? Only 13 fights into her career. And right now, aside from Amanda Nunes and Valentina, who's better? Who's better? There, there's nobody. Because... She has world-class jiu-jitsu, and she has world-class striking, world-class footwork. I mean, there's nobody in that division that can beat her. And it, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see because she's humble about it, and she's the embodiment of what real martial arts is supposed to look like in this kind of sport. Yeah, we have big talkers. Yes, we have knockout artists. Yes, we have specialists. But when you have somebody that's truly special, that can do everything well and understands that it's it's a gift 
right? But you have to work for it. That's when you see that MMA is in the right place, you know? And I know she's going to go on the right path of like a George St. Pierre. Because when she was champion, even though it was a lot of pressure, she was graceful about it, you know? So, yeah. You already know how excited I am. But let's get to the next few yeah, fights. Yeah, that's a great... <laughs> yeah, I don't even mind, like... I can do this for these next three fights as well. Yeah. Andre, the first of three title fights for the vacant Bantamweight title, Piotr Jan versus Jose Aldo. A lot of people upset. Jose Aldo's getting the chance. Um, I think we've spoke about it where I understand he is the bigger name out of everybody. Is he the better fighter? I don't know. We're going to find out. He's the more seasoned fighter. He's, like I said, I think the most important thing for the UFC is that he is the one with the name. And he's going in there with a tall, tall task Mm -hmm. in Piotr Jan. Andre, this guy has world-class striking, as you say. Please break this down. Like, what... Let me actually ask you, what can he do, like Jose Aldo, to nullify it? Because we know that he's known for his leg kicks. Is he going to be able to, like, try to maintain, like, distance between them? Like, will he be able to manage that with leg kicks? Or do you think Peter Jan has a way around that, like, in his skill set? Like, when you look at him, do you think that he's going to be able to nullify that? Yeah, this is the thing. Right, and I want to touch on this first. I I understand where people come from where they say Aldo didn't deserve the title shot, but let's be real for a second. Other than Marlon Moraes, who has stepped up to want to fight Aldo at one thirty-five? That's all I gotta say. Don't talk about it if unless you were willing to say I'll fight Aldo for the title. It was Henry Cejudo and Peter Jan signed and said yes, I'll do it. But here's the thing: Aldo's style is completely dependent on countering and striking against a stationary target. Aldo will stand in front of you and throw combinations, and he has powerful, powerful leg kicks. Here's the issue, though. Peter Jan not only has excellent boxing, but he has solid, solid footwork, and he utilizes switch fighting, something that Aldo does not utilize. So Peter Jan can cover distance at a much faster rate than Aldo. Aldo can lunge at people with real power and speed, but Pietro Jan's going to see that coming. And let's be real, although Aldo is a better jiu-jitsu player, Jan does have the better grappling overall. He has really good wrestling, really good Sambo. So in my experience, I've seen a lot of times that Sambo has won against jiu-jitsu. Here's the thing, though. The only key to victory that Aldo has is he has to catch Jan coming in. He cannot let himself go first because if he does, Jan will counter him. If he tries to throw a leg kick, Jan is going to throw a right hand straight down the pipe. So he has to be really, really methodical in his approach because Jan, when it comes to striking, he does everything excellently. And he's not, and like I say, he's not just going to let Aldo step into a beautiful right leg kick and damage him. He's not going to do that. He's going to step in and throw big punches, and he's going to make Aldo pay. 
And, you know, Aldo's lost before via strikes. So there's definitely enough tape for him to understand what he needs to do. And Aldo has had a lot of problems in his career against guys who have better boxing. So, yeah, he's got to be smart. He's got to land combos to set up those kicks. And when he sees that he fakes a jab or a right hand and Jan comes in, that's when he has to throw big combinations. Because, you know, when, when Jan fought Dodson, that's what happened. You know, Dodson, little shimmy here, little fake, little faint, and Jan would overreact. And when he would overreact, boom, he would catch him. And Jan would be stunned like, oh, damn, I got hit. That's what Aldo has to do. If not, Aldo's going to end up getting knocked out. I can tell you right now. It's not going to be a five-rounder because both guys hit like Mack trucks. And Jan's a finisher. And so is Aldo. So it, I can say that this is going to be one of the most high-action-packed fights. I can tell you that right now. And it's not that Henry Cejudo wasn't a fresh thing in the Bantamweight division. Obviously, you know, we've been used to, uh, like, TJ and Hennon and Corey. Mm-hmm. But, or Cody, I'm sorry. Yeah. But now it's just so fresh. Like, Piotr Jan, how many fights has he had in the UFC? You know, three or four a handful, maybe. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Jose's coming down. And then you got, like, Aljo, who's never had a shot at the title. You got um, Corey Sanhagen, who's still coming up. And then we have the, for you, the resurrection of Cody Garbrandt. Like, like there's a lot, a <laughs> lot of things to look forward to. All fresh matchups, almost. Like, yeah. Like, and then, look at that. I did not even bring up the what number two guy in the division and Marlon Marias like I feel bad for not bringing him up but that's how stacked this division is this is really exciting yeah that's the thing it's crazy because you still have to look at him like he beat Aldo so it's like whether people agree with it or not you know he stole the show and at the end of the day he'll have his chance but we know clearly who's in line for the title and it's Aldo and we know that no matter who wins, there's a big chance that Aljo's going to beat the winner of Jan versus Aldo. It, it's just apparent. His grappling is just too good. I would like to see that. Yeah. I Either one. <laughs> what I want to see, too, and, and we're listen, we're getting really close. Like, a lot of people aren't talking about this, but it's almost time for Dillashaw to come back. This guy's been looking. I don't like him like that. Is it January? Is he? He's already back in like six months. Yeah, six months. And you know he's going to sign for a fight. Right oh, Right of off the bat. The, well, the UFC is going to leverage him being off to make it a big deal. Like, oh, he cheated? So what? This is a huge story when he comes back. Yeah, and, and I can tell you right off the bat who might be his first opponent. Cody Garbrandt? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> But I think it's either going to be Marlon, Sandhagen, or it might be, um, damn, that guy. I always forget his name. I'm just going to leave it with those two for now. But I it, wasn't sure if you were going to say Rafaela Sunsau. No, or, God, no, no. He already fought him twice. Jimmy Rivera. We got, what else is in that division? Who's fighting Jimmy? I know Jimmy's fighting. Jimmy just got a new fight, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's see even that like Cheeto. Is, I know Cheeto's fighting Sugar Sean next. 
they they haven't signed, but they said that that's that's what they're gonna do. Might as well. I I do like the. I'm telling you, man. I he's so good that I wish I wish they would give him someone like in um, the top ten. Cruz, Cruz. He might he might show up for that that fight. That'd be a good one. That'd too. be a good rematch. Because wow. hey, Dillashaw is good, but you know if he doesn't want to get thrown in there right off the bat, he might say. You know, I I feel like I won that fight. Let's run it back. Cruz isn't gonna say no. He's still active. He's still training. Um, but Dillashaw in the mix. You know, Garbrandt's he's gonna probably fight Sanhagen next. So there's there's a lot of stuff going on at 135. Yeah, for sure. But Andre at 145 in the co-main event, the same old, same old. Uh, Max Holloway versus <laughs> Alex Volkanovsky. I feel like on any other card, this is fire. But even though they're the co-main event, I feel like they're lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Like, this fight didn't need to be on this card. Um, but it is. So it's our job to break it down. I don't know how you feel about the stories of Max saying he hasn't sparred or like... You know, a lot of the stuff that we hear that he's he's been talking about, like, yeah, it's been different, you know, virtual training camp. I don't know if I believe it, but Alex Volkanovsky kind of saying that he just feels like Max is salty, that he lost, like he's a sore loser. I don't think that stuff is needed. I feel like these guys have respect. Andre, what do you think about this fight? I mean, the first fight was close. I want to say that me and you thought it went the right way, but there was a lot of people who didn't. It was that close. Can somebody get a finish in this fight? Because I think if it's close again, we're going to see it for a third time because there's really nothing in that division to do. I mean, both of these guys have the best chins at 145. Like that's that's clear, you know. And they're 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 really good at striking. But um I think the only way that either of these guys can really get a finish is if one of them decides to go for broke. The person that I feel needs to go for broke in this is Max. I think we need to see the Max that faced Ricardo Lamas those last 10 seconds where he pointed down and said, let's go. He's going to have to do that against Volkanovski. I'm not saying that it's going to go well for him because in the first fight, Volkanovski not only showed that he can take a punch, but he can give one, especially in the crossfire. So I don't really, I can't really say that the lack of sparring might work against him or work for him. But the only thing I can say is when he was ready to fight Brian Ortega the first time, he ended up suffering a bit of like a brain damage, like well, like a a concussion, and I'm pretty sure that was from sparring. So maybe his approach was, let's come in here the safest way possible and let's just, you know, go with it. But, you know, what can you do? Everybody's kind of suffering when it comes to training. You got to find, like, like look at uh, Usman and Gaethje. He had to make a home gym just so that way Trevor Whitman and him can train privately. So, But if you ask me, I feel like Volkanovski's skill set overall is at this point better than Max's. 
Max is a really good striker. He's got good takedown defense, decent jiu-jitsu, but I feel like Volkanovski is able to come in and out of the pocket and not take that much damage and still land consistently. So if anybody can probably get a finish, it's probably him. I feel like he can hit him with something that might really stagger Max. We've never really seen it other than the fight against Poirier, but it's possible. So imagine that, seeing Volkanovski finish him. That'd be pretty insane. Yeah, so I think since we're going to talk about it so much in the next fight, I think it's fair to bring up now. How do you feel about Max's star if he were to lose this fight? Like, do you think that it might be time for Max to move on from the UFC? Does he does he have a place anywhere else? Um, he is still very young um, and a ton of time left, you know. But what do you think? I don't know. I think two losses in a row to the same guy – now you don't have the belt anymore. You're fighting up. Like you have you have to fight down to come back up. Nah, I mean, I'm gonna give you the clear like to me what the clear decision would be if he loses his fight is to just move up. He just gotta move up. I think he can do well against a lot of the lightweights. Do you think it but I mean we saw it and it didn't end very well. But you know why? I mean a lot of people say that, and they're like, oh, well, he fought a 155-er, and look what happened. But here's my thing. He fought the best Dustin Poirier that we've ever seen. Like, that was his greatest performance. Mm-hmm. Even after he beat Dan Hooker, like, that was his best performance. He literally mauled Max, and nobody saw that coming. Max came back along, and he hit him with good shots, good kicks, but it wasn't the same thing. And I feel like, for example, let, let's let's give a perfect example, right? Let's say Max stays at 145. Who does he fight? Probably Zabit. Maybe, maybe Yair, like the winner of that. Maybe he fights Ortega again. Maybe he fights Chan Sung Jung. You know that there's a huge chance he's going to win. But why do that again to come back to the boat? Let's go to Fresh Waters, go to 155. He takes on someone like, what, Paul Felder and Islam Makachev. Like, he really throws himself in the mix, fights someone dangerous. He might do well. You know, like, his style is hard to deal with. And if he's if he doesn't have to worry about a weight cut where he can go five rounds with somebody and not be drained, like, his pace might be doubled. That's the one thing I think about. But if we're talking about him moving on, yeah, there's probably a great place for him at one. I mean, imagine him versus Martin Nguyen. That's a big fight, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you made a lot of sense with the the uh, moving up in weight. But I I just had such a bad taste in my mouth from that Dustin fight. But it's like you said, that's Dustin has never looked better. and yeah. probably will never look better. But um, he's he's got his work cut out for him if he's going to move up. Yeah, because it's not just Dustin. There's that is There's a shark monsters, tank. Yeah. There is a real, real like he would, like anybody in the top fifteen is a problem. Not even that. Like there's big fights that people are gonna be pushing. Once Max says I'm moving up to one fifty five, you know that the biggest fight people are gonna push for is say, oh well, you either fight Cerrone or you fight Tony. You know that him versus Tony is gonna oh. be crazy. 
Think about that. This is a dangerous fight for him on the ground. But look, C- Cynthia Calvillo got a fight against the number one contender at 125, and she won. She beat her ass. And listen, <laughs> look at what happened to Tony when he fought somebody who had decent striking volume for five rounds. Mm-hmm. Imagine Max. No weight cut? Really? Like, he fight, he walks around at, what, 170? Only has to cut 15 pounds? He goes in there, knows he's going to have fun. The power is going to be there from Tony, but it's not going to do anything. And Max is going to keep coming. So you see guys, and they have to be at their best. And this is the evolution for Alexander Volkanovsky. That was the evolution for Poirier. It was the same thing, like, even, even bringing this up, like, with McGregor. Like, uh, how would he do if he fought him at 155? Well, that depends. If McGregor tries to go for the knockout for three rounds straight, he's going to get his ass beat and probably TKO'd by Max. And that and that's the danger. I just feel like he'll just have to change his style like RDA did at 170. He wasn't focused on knocking people out. He was just focused on outstriking them, outpacing them, and looking good. And Max just will do the same thing. So, yeah. Wow. This is why you're here. <laughs> Right before we break down the main event, I want to thank all people who bought merch throughout the month of June. Um, All those profits are being transferred now from Teespring to my PayPal account. Once that happens, I, I think I did it on like Sunday. I transferred everything, but it takes seven days. So once that happens, we will put up a post with our donation to the charity that we I still have to figure out which charity because I want to make sure that it goes to the right people. Um, but thank you guys so much. I am more than overwhelmed with the support that we uh, received from you guys. And uh, we just ask that you guys keep buying. Uh, <laughs> though the next set of proceeds won't be donated, you know, we love to see people wear our merch, the pictures you guys post. Um, we love it. Please, if you did buy a shirt, tag us on Instagram, on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, rep the brand and tell your friends about us. Because I think that we we do this from a place of, like, love. We don't do it for money. And, really, the only reason we have merch is because we wanted to wear it. And we love the idea of you guys wearing it. What we make off of it is pennies compared to, like, the millions and millions of dollars in a smile that I get from when I see people wearing um, our brand. So, Andre, if you want to thank everybody. Yeah, like, you know, like like Josh touched on, thank you all so much for supporting us because we started this off kind of as a joke just to see, like, you know, how intrigued that would be. And this has been an incredible journey for myself. Um, and this is something that, that, that I wake up on that Wednesday and I'm like, man, like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I don't care where we're at. We could both be rich. We can both be in boxes. It doesn't matter. This is, this is what we love to do. And, and to be able to share that with everyone is great. So buying the merch is really just, you know, great, great for us because we get to see the support that we're getting. You know, we reached 4,000 downloads already and that's such a huge step for us. You know, it's not 200,000, but you know, we're not enjoying where we're going per se. We're just enjoying the journey, you know, along the road. And so far it's been awesome. So thank you, everybody. 
Yeah, the more you guys wear that stuff and tell people about us, the more people know about us. Uh, we thank you for that. And uh, let's talk about this main event because let's be honest, Andre. Everybody who's here right now is here because this main event is happening tomorrow. I'm going to ask you first, when did you hear about the fight being changed from Burns to Masvidal? Like maybe it was the next day after they had stated that Burns tested positive for coronavirus. The next day I heard about it. And then the crazy thing was that the clear runner for the title shot wasn't even Masvidal in the beginning. Covington was the first one who spoke up. And I'm like, why is Leon not speaking up? Why is RDA not speaking up? What's going on? And then they started saying, Masvidal's in negotiations right now. Some say it was looking good. Some say it was BS. And then that's when I started to be like, is this going to happen? And once they announced it and Askren was like, Masvidal's serious, Colby isn't, I was like, oh my God, it's happening. And on a week's notice at that. I, so, if I could remember correctly, I think the first I saw about it was a text from you in Black Belts and Chicken Heads. (coughs) Hours, I want to say like six hours after you sent it. And I was like, I remember I was I was like in a public place or no, I was driving and I opened it like at a red light and like had to pull over. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I pulled over and I'm like search. I'm like Googling like Masvidal and then like all the stuff is starting to pop up. And I'm like, no way. I'm like six days. Holy crap. And I'm like looking at Jen. I'm like, yo. I am so hype, and then I got like, I work. I go into work, and like my coworkers talking about it, and I'm like, "What? This is big." And I would just like to say and reiterate that Jorge Masvidal is a draw for us. Like, he draws more listeners to us than Conor McGregor has ever. Anytime I use Masvidal in the title. That show has the most views. That show and Zed. Yeah. Both of those before, and then it's like McGregor or John Jones. But Masvidal and Zed are more of a draw to us than Conor McGregor and John Jones put together. So let's talk about this fight, Andre, because I love Jorge Masvidal. I really do. I think he is fantastic for the sport. He's so genuine. And, like, when I watch him and I, like, see, like, his, I guess you could say, like, promos, like, I'm like, that's the guy. Like, if I met Jorge, he'd be just like that. Yeah. Um, He has a very tall task ahead of him with Kamaru Usman coming in on his second title defense since winning the belt. Andre... You know, I love Masvidal. I, I really think that he 
he has the skills. Like, I think he is that good. But Usman just suffocates opponents. Please, please bring some peace to my mind about this fight. Because I am so anxious right now (laughs) that I want to jump out of my seat. (laughs) Listen, I mean, this is one of those fights where you're like, damn. Like, you're not going to be sitting down. You got your chips. You know, you got your drink next to you. Maybe some pizza. You're going to put all that down. You can't miss a second. This is a game of inches in this case. And, you know, I want to... This is the crazy thing about this sport, right? Um, For somebody to say that Usman is like a 500 fighter in the UFC... Yeah, that doesn't sit well with me, and I'm going to tell you why. There's a reason that Masvidal fought Alaya Quinta, okay? He was 5-1, and one, I think, or 4-1 and one going into that fight. And he beat Michael Chiesa by submitting him. Masvidal was vicious at 155. And the only reason he left 155 was because he couldn't make the weight cut anymore. It was destroying his his insides. And that is legitimately proven from a lot of fighters. And here's the thing. Now we're looking at a brand new revamped Masvidal. He's not worrying about his cardio anymore. He's not worried about a weight cut. He's just going in there and decimating people for a reason. He hits hard. He has good boxing, good kicks. He's very well-rounded. He doesn't get enough credit for it. And for Usman to just think that Masvidal's this bum who's overhyped, if anybody has a lot to lose in this situation, it's Usman. Forget the fact that they'll make excuses. Oh, well, he fought on six days' notice. BS. BS. Because your style, and this is my thing, when you're a wrestler, a collegiate wrestler doesn't just prepare for one wrestling meet. Okay, there's tournaments. These guys are wrestling weekly. They're practicing every single day. You're always on weight. Ultimate Fighter, the same thing. You're always on weight. Don't give me that crap. Your style is supposed to nullify that. So what will that say about you if you get knocked out? It'll say that you're the bum. And and I'm going to be real with you. Yes, he beat Maya. Yes, he beat RDA. Yes, he beat Leon Edwards. But anybody can beat you when all they're doing is pushing you against the cage and hooking your legs and taking you down. It takes somebody with real skill to be able to nullify the striking and decent grappling of a guy like Masvidal. So I want to see him put his money where his mouth is. Because I'm sorry, even if they're taking Usman as the clear like Victor in this, he's the real underdog. Because not only does he have everything to lose, but, you know, there's a huge discrepancy in the striking area. So what will you do when you don't get that first takedown? And what will you do when you get the takedown and he gets right back up? What are you going to do? Because he can't go based off of the fact that Covington said, oh, well, he's going to wrestle F him and give him a 50-45. Dude, 
Wrestling is different when you're getting punched in the face. Henzo Gracie said it best. You're a black belt until every punch hits you. Then you go down one belt. And and, and that's the story of this fight. Can Usman last? Because wrestlers get tired too. I mean, you've seen it. There are some wrestlers that will keep Curtis Blades. Five rounds of just pure nonstop trying to take get the takedown. That can wear on you. That's a full body motion shooting down for the legs. And if you can't get a guy down easily, you're fighting for that takedown. And he has to worry about elbows, knees to the head. There's so much at stake. But that's the only clear victory for Usman. And I don't think he's going to be able to pull it off. I think that somewhere in between those exchanges, and and I'm going to give you my prediction now. Somewhere in between those exchanges, I feel that Masvidal is going to catch him with a knee, an uppercut, or a kick to the head that was meant to go to his body, and then Usman ducks. Kind of like how Cejudo caught Dominic when his head was low. He's going to get caught with one of those, and I feel like he's going to get put to sleep. And the way I think he's going to get really hurt, and he's not going to be able to recover, and Masvidal is going to maul him. So rest assured, I'm telling you my prediction now. I feel like Masvidal is going to be the new champ. <laughs> I would love that. Now, if you look back at both of their last fights, um, Masvidal facing Nate Diaz, who is a fantastic jiu-jitsu practitioner, um, as well as someone who strikes very well. And... Kamaru facing Colby, who has, how do I say this? Like, Colby had all the bad, bad blood. So we knew that that fight wouldn't be, how do I say it? Like, we knew it wouldn't be what you thought it would be. A like, snooze fest. A snooze fest. Just the it wrestling was, match. Just, just because they hated each other so much, we knew they were going to go for broke. And and Kamaru did, and he came out on top in the end, but I thought Kobe looked fantastic. Now, we're talking about Jorge Masvidal, whose striking is light years. Now, he might not put out the volume that Kobe does, but I don't think he has to with the power and precision that he has. Now, this is a fight that I think Kamaru is going to lean so heavy on his wrestling that, like you said, I completely agree. He's going to walk into something that he will not see coming. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's not that, he probably will ride it out for five rounds and outpoint Masvidal. But the question on this guy's cardio is ridiculous to me. Like, you're telling me that you don't think Jorge Masvidal can go five rounds. A guy with how many fights? 60? You know, or 50 fights going in this fight right now, right? He's at 49, I believe. Mm-hmm. This will be his 50th fight. You're telling me that guy who's fought 50 times on his pro record, fought in the backyard. You're, do you remember his backyard fight? Like the famous one where he just won't go down? Yeah. And he just kept swinging and swinging? You, you're telling me that that guy doesn't exist anymore? Yeah. And, and you're talking about a dude... He wasn't even experienced then. 
but he has that dog in him. Look at who he's trained with. Yoel Romero, Colby Covington, Robbie Lawler, T. Wood. Come on, dude. He's faced some of the best grapplers in training. You think he's not going to be ready for your little single legs and, and shoots to push him back on the cage? Listen, I hate to say this because people will say, oh, well, that's dumb because this guy's not as good as Usman. Cesar Ferrara was a legitimate middleweight, six foot two, 185 pounds. He was not doing well at middleweight. He cut down to 170. That was Masvidal's return to welterweight, okay? He was smaller. You could see the love handles he had because his body was not used to walking around at that much weight going into an actual fight. He fought a dude, and let's be real, he fought a dude two weight classes higher than him, and he knocked him out. What did Cesar try to do? He tried to strike with him. Didn't go well. He tried to grapple, and he clearly had a size and strength advantage. He couldn't take him down. And what did Masvidal do in the clinch? The same thing he did to Nate Diaz. Elbows, knees. He made him pay for trying to get him in the clinch. And he's going to do the same thing to Usman. Nobody's done it to Usman because they get so focused on outstriking him that when he shoots, they're out of their element. But this is all he knows. Masvidal has been around wrestlers his entire career. He's fought wrestlers. He's outgrappled wrestlers. He's submitted wrestlers. Michael Chiesa was a wrestler who had good jiu-jitsu, and he made a mistake, and he paid for it. Like, for people to think that Masvidal is just this brawler, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Masvidal is legitimately well-rounded. I've seen this man take people down, pass their guard, and go for submissions and finish them. These people have no idea what they're talking about. And I hate to say it like this, but I see it all over Twitter. Oh, it's going to be 50-45. Masvidal is just a 500 fighter. He got lucky against Darren Till. You're crazy. This man has excellent strategy every time he goes into a fight. Could he have, and, and let me ask you, could he have finished Nate Diaz or at least gone for it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. He, like, Nate, I think, hmm, how do I say this? Because as much as I thought Nate could have kept going, um, if you look back at that fight, please look at the sh- like the shots that Masvidal was throwing. Like these punches were so heavy and so lethal that like I don't think that the next round, like if he would have went out the next round, if he didn't take it to the ground, he he wasn't taking many more of those. Those were vicious shots. That's why I think that, like, it's no, it's not that he has a puncher's chance. He he, he has more than that. I think that he can finish Kamaru. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if this guy has only lost one time. Like, everybody. Look at, look at, look at Jose. Remember Jose? Jose. Nobody, th- nobody thought that he was going to get knocked out. Hennon Burrell. 35-fight win streak after losing his pro debut. Pro debut. Chris Cyborg lost her pro MMA debut. Look at where she is now. Perfect. Another perfect one, which a lot of people don't talk about. Fedor Emelianenko lost his first professional fight. Went 30-0. and 0, Beat every... And mind you, pride tournaments. 
mm-hmm. fighting dudes twice his size yeah, and beating them. We're not talking about Sambo, like... No. <laughs> we're not talking about him just in Russia. We're talking about a Division Two collegiate wrestler, and no disrespect, because it's like it's like saying, oh, well, a guy who plays in the NBA G League isn't good. He goes to the park, he's going to destroy everybody. He's going to drop 50 because he's there for a reason. But this is the difference. When you're fighting guy, when you're training with guys like Colby and Tyron Woodley who are stronger than you, bigger than you, and you're able to excel, you're going to have a mental advantage because you're like, dude, I'm not scared of your wrestling. All you can do is hold me against the cage. I can do so much more. You know, and it, and it, and the crazy thing about this fight is it brings me back to 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 anime. Like I remember when when uh, Gara and Naruto he fought um he fought Rock Lee in the Chunin exams, and Gara had one good thing about him, and what was that? His sand. He had a protective cloak on his body that was made of sand. So if anyone ever did get through his sand, um, defense, he would still have an armor on, to protect his body. But what was the, the the deciding factor? Not only did Rock Lee have better, you know, sh- like striking to say, taijutsu, but he also had an ability to make himself faster and stronger. He took off those weights and the sand was barely surviving because it wasn't fast enough to react necessarily. And that's the thing. Usman is a singular striker. He's got a nice right hand. He's got an okay jab, some good kicks. But he's not at the level of like an Ang Lung Sung, like a Tyrone Spong, an Anthony Rumble Johnson. He's not that kind of striker. He hits hard because he's strong. He's a big dude for 170. You see his physique, and you wonder how the hell he makes 170. But he's just in the best shape and probably has the best physique at 170 right now, other than like you know, the pre you know the pre Johnny Hendricks, pre Usada, you know. But other than that, that's it. But this wrestling thing is going to work against him. He's not going to be able to do it for five rounds. I'm telling you now. He's gone five rounds with guys who he's out-wrestled because they're not willing to go for broke. They're not willing to make it a dogfight. Masvidal is going to make him pay. He doesn't like him. Look what he did to Askren. That wasn't a fluke. That was that was well you know, planned out. And you knew that was going to land. No way he was going to miss that. Also, let's just once again. I'm on a, I want to take it into account. I want to put this on the record. The most experienced fighter that Kamara Usman has ever fought, by far. He has his hands full. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Six days notice, two days notice. Masvidal. They call him game bread for a reason. Yep. I am so excited, and it and it really sounds like. We're like these Masvidal stands, and I promise you it's not like that. We know what Kamaru is capable of, but I just don't think that his his particular set of skills is conducive to making this his fight. I don't I don't think that he I don't think that he's able to do it. Yeah, and and look, I'll say it like this: Usman brought up an interesting point. He said, "Listen, we all know." what wrestlers can do to Masvidal. And then he says, he goes on on a small rant, and then he brings up, when he fought Damian Maya, look what happened. When he fought Wonderboy, what happened? But let me ask you something, Usman. How well would you have done against Wonderboy? 
Because I can tell you right now, had it not been for T. Wood being in the welterweight division while Wonder Boy was there, who would be champion right now? Wonder Boy. Because there's nobody in that division that can beat him. No person. Not Leon, not Colby, not Robbie Lawler, not Woodley, not in the third fight because he barely skid by those last, those last two. There's nobody who can beat Wonder Boy. He's just too good at controlling distance. He's the early John Jones like that, but just way more skill. He just knows how to stay away. He beat Darren Till. Like, Wonder Boy is it. But you know what? There's not a lot of people who can say, yeah, I beat Wonder Boy, other than Woodley and Pettis. That's it. And I think maybe Matt Brown, I think, early in his career or something like that. But that was it. But you know what? It, it just goes to show you that that the division is stacked. But there's one thing you can't take away from Masvidal. Who's finished him in the UFC? Who's dominated him? Because he was outpointed against Wonderboy and took basically no damage in that fight. He got outpointed by Maya in a split decision victory at that. Okay, he faced Ally Quinta at lightweight. And it was a split decision. On that, and the majority of fans thought he won. I thought he won. So if you look at his last few fights in the UFC, that's it. It's just been him getting outpointed, thinking that he was ahead and then not doing enough. But no one's ever outskilled him. There's a huge archive of highlights of him just outclassing guys for like two rounds and then just not doing enough to get the win. Of course somebody's going to str- not want to strike with him. But you know what? I mean, don't you think after all these losses, basically the same way that he wouldn't get it right? You know, he could have he could have tried to finish Nate. And that was the point I was trying to make, but he didn't. Why? Because Nate's dangerous off his back. Only somebody that had been training and watching Nate would know that. Nate's a superstar. So, of course, he would know. And that's what we're going to see. We know that Masvidal, although he does let himself get pushed to the cage, he's not just going to allow himself to get backed up without throwing something. So, yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I cannot wait for that fight. But the final thing, just a note, Ariel Hawani tweeted, Jorge Masvidal is out of quarantine in Abu Dhabi. His manager, Abraham Kawa, told ESPN, Masvidal has now passed three COVID tests since accepting the Kamara Usman fight last week. He will have to pass one more following Friday's weigh-ins to be cleared to fight. So you guys are listening to this. Hopefully by the time you guys are listening, uh, Jorge will be weighing in. And uh, yeah, if not, Andre and I will probably go live on Instagram. Freaking out. To uh, cry. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you so much for listening. This has been this week's YBE MMA. I am Josh Prepigini. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elvory Preps in one word. You can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA Podcast. You can also find our merch on teespring.com slash stores slash YBE MMA Podcast. Andre? Everyone, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch under the name Flow State Dre, and you can also find me on Facebook as my regular name, 
Andre Rodriguez. Thank you all tuning in for the return of Josh and Andre at YBE Studios, and we always appreciate your support. Yes, Andre, I couldn't have said it better. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week.